Chapter 3, Part 1 of Religion and Health. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simona Russo. Religion and Health by James Joseph Walsh. Chapter 3, Sacrifice. The essence of religion is sacrifice. St. Paul summed it up in his own inimitable fashion when he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The supreme exercise of religious feeling is the readiness to make sacrifices, because one feels that it is the will of the deity that they should be made. The Century Dictionary's definition of sacrifice, the giving up of some prized or desirable thing in behalf of a higher object, represents the state of mind that one must have if one is desirous of practicing religion sincerely. The tendency to make sacrifices seems almost to be ingrained in humanity and to be a sort of instinct. It is one of these precious manifestations of nature so difficult to understand and yet representing some great basic principle of humanity. The feeling of satisfaction that comes with it represents the compensation for the exercise of a natural function, which so often accompanies natural processes, and is sometimes supposed to be a feature only of the physical, yet is so invariably found also in the moral order. From the very earliest times, Men have made sacrifices in the spirit of religion. Now that the story of the caveman is known not by inference but by actual discovery of his remains in the caves of western France and northern Spain, we find that he was an artist who invented oil colors, grinding the oxides of magnes and of iron in mortars, mixing them with the rendered fat of animals, and painting some of the most vivid pictures of animals that have ever been made on the walls of his cave in order to make his home beautiful. Instead of being just a little better than the beasts, he was an artist, and an artist is at all times the flower of our civilization, ahead of and not behind the rest of the race. In the tombs of the cave, men finely made tools have been found buried with the bodies demonstrating the belief in a hereafter and the readiness of those who were left behind to make sacrifices for their dead. For these tools had been produced at the cost of no little labor, and in the values of the time were precious. In order that their dead friend might be happy in another world, they were quite willing to make these sacrifices and to devote other efforts to securing happiness for him. They devoted a good deal of care to the disposal of the body and even buried red coloring matter with the remains so that their dead friend might not look too pale in the next world and perhaps be the subject of remark because of that. We rogue our corpses in our time again but with the idea of making them presentable for this world. This state of mind which prompts men to make a sacrifice is, almost needless to say, extremely valuable for health and for happiness, because it makes people ready to offer up their feelings in case of disappointment, and even to be ready to accept trials that may come to them, and life is sure to have them, 
as representing opportunities for the making of sacrifices. If one has set one's heart on something, and has devoted great efforts to getting it, and then finds that owing to circumstances it cannot be secured, nothing is so effective as the deep religious feeling of sacrifice to aid in keeping the disappointment from affecting health and strength. We need it at the present time, sadly, and its eclipse through decadence of religion has been a great misfortune. Modern life has been very much disturbed by the fact that insanity and suicides are both on the increase to an almost alarming extent, and that, sad to say, the average age at which they occur is steadily becoming earlier. Suicide happens at even younger years, just in promotion it would seem to the spread of popular education and the lessening of the influence of religion, while at the same time the necessity for restraint for insanity and of internments in asylums is also coming at a younger age. People used to go through with some of the very hard things of life before they were ready to give up struggling or broke down in mind, but now some of the minor trials of early life a petty setback in school examinations or disappointment in a youthful love affair may bring about a very serious breakdown in physical or mental health and may even lead to suicide. We need ever so much more training in the discipline of sacrifice even from very earliest youth, but almost needless to say this can come practically only from religion. And religious influences are waning for a great many people. All young folks must be trained to give things up voluntarily, so that when disappointment comes they are ready for it. They must be taught to stand some of the disagreeable things in life, so that they may have the willpower to endure even the hardest ones, if they should be called upon to do so. Such discipline, instead of being cruel, is really kind, for constituted as life is and with hardships and trials inevitable to the great majority of people, it is all important that we should be prepared for them. It is the role of religion particularly to do this. It can accomplish it without producing unfortunate reactions but on the contrary with personal satisfaction to the individual who has to be trained in endurance because of the feeling that the sacrifices have a worth beyond that of the merely material. Wholehearted sacrifice will lift a character up to the heights of heroism that are supremely admirable and make life exemplary, though the failure to take the opportunities for sacrifice may lead to crushing of the spirit entirely. Almost inevitably, this brings about disturbance of health as well as deterioration of character. The loss of children by death, particularly when there are but one or two children in a family, as is so frequent in modern times, often brings on a state of mental perturbation in which the health of mind and body, especially of women, may suffer severely. Religion, with its development of the spirit of sacrifice, whenever it is taken seriously, is the best possible seeth anchor in such cases, and the gradual diminution of religion feelings and abandonment of religious practice during the present generation have greatly multiplied the tendency to such severe breakdowns. A distinguished scientist, Professor Whitaker, the Royal Astronomer of Ireland, 
dwelt on the scientific aspect of sacrifice for high purpose in a way that is illuminating and serves to make our generation understand better the enduring nature of sacrifice in creation and the place that it has in the upbuilding of what is best in life surrender to the will of god generally means the giving up of some of the delights of the world like the coral island built up on the accumulations of its own past life the perfected kingdom is to be reached only by the sacrifice of countless generations of its own upbuilders but and this is the greatest of all evidence of the divine life within humanity in all ages men have left the pleasures of their former life to obey the inward call the long procession that leads to the distant goal is reunited afresh in every generation and today millions have found the joy of a life centered round the works of the master repent follow me a distinguished mathematician who is at the same time a very well-known physical scientist declared not long since that the formula for happiness may be expressed as follows h equals g divided by w in this h stands for the amount of individual happiness and is equal to what the individual has got g divided by w what he wants if a man has a great deal but wants ever so much more his fraction of happiness may be comparatively small if he has got even a little but does not want much more his fraction of happiness may approach an integer if he has got anything in the world and does not want anything more according to the terms of the formula he is infinitely happy for one divided by zero equals infinity what is important for men for their happiness then is not so much to try to increase the numerator by adding to or even multiplying their possessions but to decrease the denominator by lessening their wants and by decreasing the number of things without which they feel that they cannot be happy almost needless to say that one element above all in life which enables men to reduce their wants and to live in a satisfaction with few things is religion a great many men in the history of the race have for religious motives assumed the obligations of voluntary poverty and have greatly increased satisfaction in life and have found happiness thereby the multiplication of material wants which after a time become needs that actually cannot be dispensed with without a feeling of serious deprivation leads to such preoccupation with mere bodily concerns that no time is left to live the life of the spirit and really to enjoy the things of the mind and the heart and the soul with the supreme satisfaction which their experience gives to us the old pagan poet horace suggested long ago that he hated the apparatus of luxury because it took away so much of the simple enjoyment of life and consumed so much time in idle concerns nothing is so helpful in enabling men to simplify life as religious motives they learn to make the sacrifice of certain inclinations and feelings that would tempt them to rival other men and to be satisfied with a little for the sake of the lessened allurements to luxury that are thus secured for themselves and their children 
health comes as a by-product of the simplification of life as it is not likely to come under any other circumstances to all men there comes sooner or later in life the realization that the getting of things cannot bring happiness oscar wilde said in one of his well-known caustic epigrams there are two tragedies in life the one is not getting what you want and the other is getting it and of the two the latter is the worse quite apart from the pessimism and the exaggeration of the apogee which constitutes only part of the humour there is a great deal of truth in the expression as all men learn eventually what faust said to mephistopheles was that if ever a time shall come when i shall be willing to say to the passing moment stay you with me for i shall be satisfied with you forever then you may have my soul all that the devil had to do was to make him happy but that is impossible for man never is but to be blessed there is no lasting satisfaction in getting for men increase their desires with everything they get men come to realize if they gather wisdom with the years that the fruit of striving and the quest after anything in the world be it riches or knowledge or honor or power is of itself but dust and ashes in the mouth once the goal has been reached for it is the quest and not the attainment the hunt and not the capture that counts in life and the only thing that can possibly give any genuine satisfaction to man is the cultivation of the spirit of sacrifice sacrifices made for a higher power give life a meaning that it would otherwise have lost for those who have reached the years beyond middle life the blessedness of giving rather than receiving of making sacrifices rather than seeking satisfaction means a renewal of life's hopes and aspirations it is making a virtue of necessity to cultivate the spirit of sacrifice but then it was a great philosopher who said that the only virtue worth while talking about is the virtue that is made out of necessity most of the things in life that are really worth while we have to do whether we want to or not and it is the spirit in which they are done that lifts them out of the root of commonplace sordid everyday actions into the realm of spiritual significance because they are done for a great purpose each act of sacrifice may thus be made an act of worship of the deity and have almost an infinite value this makes even the minor acts of life produce a satisfaction not otherwise possible and gives a new significance to life when the novelty of living has worn off and when the tedium vitae the tiredness with life that comes to every one after a while if mere human motives prevail steals over us there is a passage in the scriptures the truth of which a good many people seem to doubt in modern time though the experience of centuries has confirmed it it is more blessed to give than to receive those who have experienced the delightful satisfaction of giving wholeheartedly even when they did not have much to give realized the truth of this by comparison the poor are the great givers among men
giving ever so much more in proportion to their means than do the rich, almost without exception. And it is to them particularly that these divine words have come home. They are ready to make all sorts of personal sacrifices to help those around them, almost as a rule, and they know the blessedness of giving. If the rich gave to others in anything like the proportion to what the poor so commonly do, there would be no suffering from poverty. The sacrifices which they make bring with them a satisfaction that is eminently conductive to health. There is nothing like the sleep that comes with the consciousness of good accomplishment for others, and the poor enjoy that just in proportion to the sacrifice that their doing of good has entailed. Giving up has often meant much for others, but it usually means more for oneself. The consciousness of having relieved the necessities of others is probably the best appetizer and somnificent that we have. We talk of sleeping the sleep of the just, and the just man is above all the one who thinks of others. Feelings of depression and melancholy when not actually the consequence of organic disease or hereditary impairment of mentality, are probably better relieved by the consciousness of doing good to others than in any other way. This is particularly true when the doing of good entails some special sacrifice of the doer of it. Nervousness, in the broad general sense of that word, is at bottom very often a manifestation of selfishness, that is, over-solicitude about oneself and one's affairs, and nothing so serves to neutralize it as personal sacrifices made for others. Sacrifice, moreover, is the fundamental element in most of the practices of religion. It represents the underlying factor of charity and fasting and mortification, for personal sacrifices have to be made of time and money, and often of inclination and immediate personal satisfaction, in order to accomplish these. As they are treated in separate chapters, they need only be mentioned here as representing component elements in that readiness to make sacrifices for the sake of others and oneself which providence seems to demand. Nothing requires so much sacrifice from men and women, even to the giving up of lives itself, as were, and yet when wholeheartedly entered into, it becomes a magnificent discipline of humanity affording satisfactions that are supreme, and living memories that are the most precious for the race. Above all, men learn in time of war that there are things in life that are worth more than life itself, and there is no knowledge in the world that is so precious for mankind as this. How much worse sacrifices may mean for the development of character, Professor William James has emphasized in his essay on the moral equivalent of war. He confesses the paradox, but he says, Ask all our millions, north and south, whether they would vote now, were such a thing possible, to have our war for the Union expunged from history, and the record of a peaceful transition to the present time substituted for that of its marches and battles, and probably hardly a handful of eccentrics would say, yes, those ancestors, those efforts, those memories and legends are the most ideal part of what we now own together, a sacred spiritual possession worth more than all the blood poured out.
yet ask those same people whether they would be willing in cold blood to start another civil war now to gain another similar possession and not one man or woman would vote for the proposition it must not be forgotten that strengthening of character wars invariable effect on the man of moral aims always diminishes the dreads of life they mean ever so much not only for the development of the psychoneuroses and the whole domain of neurotic symptoms so common in our time but also for the exaggeration of the symptoms of real physical disease which makes patients so uncomfortable or full of complaints and has led to so many useless operations in our generation professor james even ventured to suggest that a dread hammer of war is the welder of men into coercive states and nowhere but in such states can human nature adequately develop its capacity the only alternative is degeneration he adds that the martial type of character can be bred without war but only under very special circumstances and where men have been willing to give themselves up to a great cause priests and medical men are in a fashion educated to it and we should all feel some degree of it imperative if we were conscious of our work as an obligatory service to the state we should be owned as soldiers are by the army and our pride would arise accordingly we could be poor then without humiliation as army officers now are mr h g wells in one of his paradoxical moods has dwelt on how far the sacrifices need for military life have lifted the life of the soldier above that of the civilian in so far as its social value is concerned when the contemporary man steps from the street of clamorous insincere advertisement push adulteration underselling and intermittent employment into the barrack here he steps on to a higher social plane into an atmosphere of service and cooperation and of infinitely more honourable emulations here at least men are not flung out of employment to degenerate because there is no immediate work for them to do they are fed and drilled and trained for better services here at least a man is supposed to win promotion by self-forgetfulness and not by self-seeking end of chapter three part one